0: Welcome to the final episode of VSTMALL 2014 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who is the centre of every episode, Logan Saunders.
1: Good afternoon.
0: And the guy whose idea of a holy signal is completely different to ours, David Bindley. Good morning. Good morning. And after nine long episodes, Logan got it wrong.
2: Yay!
0: <laughs> Our nine-week mission was successful.
1: Sabotage. I broke one of my own rules, which is to ignore the distribution of the contestants' suspicions, because that's what I based my switch on at the very last second.
0: Yeah, so it's a bit of a grey area, because obviously when I was doing the suspect list, I only submitted one suspicion at the end of episode 9. Logan did it after each execution, or after Tico's execution, and then uh, before the final reveal. So if I was being kind, I'd actually take your suspicion of Susan after the Tico execution as being your response this time, but I'm taking both for fun. <laughs> and I, I didn't hate the finale as much as you guys probably thought I was going to, but it was it was a, an episode. It certainly was an episode. I don't, I wouldn't
2: say it was an exciting episode, and the reunion was a mess. But we'll get to that.
1: I like that the Ellis Island thing was eventually tied into that there was a proper Ellis Island task at the start of episode nine. But once again, because of the way Widom structures it, where we don't know the final results until, until a chunk of the way into the reunion, it turns more into just a, high, a highlight reel or a clip show, for the most part, in episode nine. And things feel really dragged out. And then when the reunion happens, they really drag that out as well.
0: Yeah, putting this historically, this is the final season that aired on a Thursday. It moved to Saturdays after this season. And I think it's also the final season until COVID happens that has a pre-recorded reunion. After this, they actually do the, the live reveal on stage, I think. I think Sri Lanka was the first one to do that.
1: And the reunions get to be longer after this, I presume, too, to where we get a lot more info. Because there's info about who was going to be executed at final five when Susan took the torpedo that doesn't even get brought up during the reunion.
0: Yeah, I only remembered who it is because of the, the Wikipedia page.
1: And then they don't even mention who would have gone home from the first group exemption as well.
0: No, it would have been Daphne, let's be honest. But
1: Yeah, I would assume so, but it's, it would be, still be great to get that confirmation because for all we know, it could have been Sophie, and it would have been Sophie executed twice during the season.
0: Yeah, well, I was going to say the Final Five one is the far more interesting one because it would have been Sophie who went home somehow. And I don't know how. (laughs) Eight years later, I still can't rationalise how Sophie, who was 100% on Susan at that point, managed to screw up so much that Frake beat her, and Jan Willem beat her. Neither of whom were on Susan in the slightest.
1: Does that mean Sophie lied during the reunion that she didn't go with Susan as her mole until the following episode then? That maybe she thought about it for a day or two and thought, hmm... That fingerprint thing was really suspicious. I'm going to follow that instinct and go all in on Susan from now on.
0: Yeah, I genuinely don't know, because there's no way for Sophie to have been executed at Final Five. And it have been over Freak and Jan Willem, who were both absolute dead wood when it came to suspicions in this season. It doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah, the whole ending is quite, it's quite puzzling.
0: So previously, the Final Five were surprised by being thrust into the world of Survivor. At an intense game of Kinect 5, Tico and Frake were left standing to play for an exemption for the finale. But Frake was the sole Survivor after a vote at Tribal Council. He successfully defended his exemption thanks to the intervention of a dog, sending him straight to Final Three. Sophie and Tico also got green screens before Jan Willem was the penultimate person sent home. And Art does his introduction just as the Final Four arrived behind him. Two men and two women. It could have been so much of a different makeup. But to Tico's disappointment, Jan Willem was sent home. One of the four is already assured of a place in the finale, which is Freak. and potentially one more if he isn't the mole. And the episode title is Something Can Happen.
1: You know what's interesting is that nothing from episode 8 is referenced as a mole action in the reunion. That whole episode gets completely skipped over. There are three
2: whole episodes to get completely skipped over.
0: Yeah, and one of them... Actually, I think Logan would quite like to know the logic of the episode title, which was Menifer. So I looked this up.
2: Basically, every single thing Menifer said in that episode about her suspicions was completely accurate. So if you just paid attention to what she said in that episode, you would have known it was Susan.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's one of the more obvious clues they've done.
0: Mm. Yeah. As with every season, the episode titles refer to the mole in some capacity and... Some of them are a lot cleverer than others. But that one is pretty pretty straight to the point.
2: Yeah, there's nothing cryptic about it. No. Something Can Happen, this episode's title was a pretty good one as well, because after she sent her mail in episode 5 or 6, whatever it was, she basically said that nothing could happen to the money. And now it turns out something can happen to the money.
0: When we finished recording that episode, I said to Bindles after you'd gone offline, I think I was slightly too unsubtle with the Susan says, nothing will happen to this money. Oh. (laughs) Because it did get to the point this season where I'm like, it is so unbelievably obvious that it's Susan, and you're still not on the right track. I've got to kind of give you a bit of a nudge. (laughs) Because it it did end up a lot closer than you've probably think in the suspicions. I think it ended up being 10-6 in terms of suspecting them all. Because I did have Susan in my my suspicions, every single week this season. But there was a long time where you were number one in Sophie and off, and you just needed that little little push to maybe start looking at Susan Visser. Well,
1: it's once more and more of her always being in the pairings for screwing up the walkie-talkie that always put her high on the suspect list. And it's funny that just how different the experience is as a contestant as opposed to a viewer, because we just saw this with the Mall where the finalists themselves, when they took the first 25 questions on the quiz, they were all in on one person, and both of them switched who their suspect was after the episodes had all aired on TV for the final five questions. So it's just funny that even after all these years, uh, the walkie-talkie is the most common way to sabotage a challenge by the mole, and contestants still aren't picking up on that because they're getting a the whole different amount of information on location as opposed to us as a viewer, where the interactions with the mole and with the contestants is influencing who they suspect on the quizzes.
0: So they arrive at a luxury resort and celebrate making it to episode 9, and Freak and Tico have their first time in the season sharing a room, but they're not in the phase of the game where information is shared anymore. Susan and Sophie shared that they put everything on each other in the last test, and when they all go for a swim, Tico, skinny yips, because of course he does.
2: I'd completely forgotten that this scene was this episode, and I, I spent the entire Survivor Challenge the last episode just sort of... Waiting for him to get his dick out. <laughs> yeah, basically. And I'm like, I don't want to see it, just let it happen so I can fast-forward it, and then it just never happened.
0: And he also says that he wouldn't mind living on this island for a few months, which of course sets up his living under a bridge for the following years. I like how
1: he said... I apologize to the Netherlands, and I was thinking, don't just apologize to the Netherlands, apologize to everyone.
0: Yeah, apologize to every single person watching this, no matter where they are in the world. And it is day 17, and they have finally reached Ellis Island, and we see the first scene of the season again with the postman delivering the letters. And
1: hard to rocking in in a rocking chair like a 70-year-old man on a porch at a house in the American Southwest.
0: Yeah. For all its faults, I really like the callback to the premiere with this scene, and with the postman delivering letters, because if I'm not mistaken, the name you see on the one envelope we actually see in the opening scene of the season is Susan. You see Tico's letter to Susan, or to Seuss, actually shown on the episode, I think, and you see it again here. I'm not sure whether that was deliberately a hint, but that's the one thing that we see of this challenge before Art actually explains it. So once...
1: Ellis dies on Ellis Island. Are they just going to change the name of the island to whoever owns it next?
0: Yeah, it'll be Saunders Island in a few years. Yeah, well,
1: that is a possibility.
0: You just retire out to the Philippines. Have your own island and some post boxes and a rocking chair. That's all you need in life.
1: Yeah. No man is an island except for that guy in the rocking chair. He is an island. It's his island. I feel like that's a lead into a Troyzan reference
0: and Art tells them that the envelopes they sent to the future should have arrived here, but because Hermes is in charge of the post, they've been delivered to the surrounding islands instead. Split over two boats, they will need to collect the envelopes and bring them back, and any money that arrives back returns to the pots, and any envelopes returned with the name of someone still in the game will have interest as well. And he splits them into two teams, the two with sunglasses, which is Susan and Frake, and the two without Sophie and Tika. There are six mailboxes for them to find, Sophie and Tika go to the island with only two, and Susan and Frank head to the one with four. Out of curiosity, did you recognise any of the scenery on these islands?
2: No. Huh. Because the big island with the four of them, that is Lagan Island from Amazing Race Five. I was about to
1: say. I was going to jump in saying saying that that's for that specific leg. Yeah. Because so they filmed all around El Nido, so there would have had to be some overlap. The boats can only go into specific areas for filming because some other islands are a bit more bit more protected.
2: Yeah, the resort that Amazing Race 5 went to is on the northwest coast of the island and all of the post boxes in that are on the south coast. But it's the same island.
0: And we get something very interesting at the start of this challenge with Sophie and Tico because Tico proves that he can't use a choke, which surprises me. Sophie has to tell him how to do it for the first time in his life. Susan and Frake then arrive at their first mailbox and find one envelope, and sadly it has Daphne's name on it, so has no interest. Sophie and Tico find their first, and it is the one that Sophie sent to Susan, and Sophie decides not to tell Tico that it was her, as Susan is her mole. And because he's also nine years old, he seems to be wearing Superman pants.
2: Superman, have a Superman Speedo. That's right, he was wearing Star Wars underpants in the, the hotel when he was basically hitting on uh, Frag and then drop something on his foot. Is he
0: 12th? I don't know. And all the mailboxes are marked by big red flags, so it's not surprising that Sophie and Tico were so successful at this challenge, as anyone who's been around Tico for 16 days at this point should be used to spotting red flags everywhere. (laughs) Proud of that one. Susan then runs for the second mailbox, and it was sent to her. Sophie and Tico's second one was sent to Menifer, so there is no interest. Susan and Frank find their final mailbox with two envelopes addressed to Susan and Sophie, and Susan then spots that the two addressed to her have both got the same handwriting on them. Did
1: she know about Tego's scheme at that point? Did producers tell her about
0: it? I don't know. I think if I were the mole, I would probably want to know the least amount of information possible and still be able to do my job. So I'd want to know about the challenges and how to sabotage them, I just wouldn't necessarily want to know the minutiae like this, where it's something you could slip up on in a conversation.
1: Right, where it's information you don't need in order to perform the sabotage.
0: Yeah, because if she was talking to Tico about it, and he said, Oh, by the way, Susan, yeah, I was the one who stole Jan Willem's envelope. And then she went, Oh, yeah, I found that out weeks ago. That is an immediate red flag for Tico. There's nothing to be gained from her knowing that it was Tico other than trying to cause a bit of distrust, which, at Final Four, pretty much everybody hates each other anyway.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. She's better off not knowing that.
0: If it was earlier in the season, then yeah, there's an argument for her trying to sow a bit of distrust by knowing that, but at Final Four, really not.
1: I like how Sophie referred to the mailboxes as beautiful American mailboxes. I didn't know that's how people in the Netherlands thought of American mailboxes that they see on TV. And you think of the white picket fence, the two cars in the driveway, and then a beautiful American mailbox, all part of the American dream.
2: I guess this is kind of a related question, but now that we know that Susan was the mole, do you think it was in her interest to have the non-elimination at Final Five knowing that all the interest was going to come into
0: play? See, I don't know, because I do have a note later on that The mole was going to be the one person who would have picked a non-elimination there, I suspect, given that it doesn't benefit her necessarily to keep more people in the game. It just means that there's four people going to Ellis Island, which is a massive disadvantage for her. But if she knows full well that they're probably not going to make much in the interest, it's a bit of a balance. I think it's a bit more controllable for her to go, I'm going to lose the €2,000 now and try and keep nearly €2,000 out of the pot and in the end, cost them three thousand seven hundred and fifty for the sake of two thousand seven hundred and fifty interest that they earn. I think it's more of an element of control. That's the important thing, therefore.
1: Yeah. What's funny is in these last couple episodes, Freak costs just as much, if not more, money than Susan does.
0: I'd forgot how inept Freak is. <laughs> I know,
1: because he puts uh, Susan in the position to. Uh, to be able to take the group exemption to keep the money out of the pot. That's all his fault. Uh, He partners up with her and didn't check the mailbox, which also kept money out of the pot. And then the bottles, he grabbed all the wrong answers, which kept even more money out of the pot.
0: I think the key thing that went right for Susan is that Sophie didn't have any orange pieces, because there is not a chance in hell that Sophie would have given her any of the orange pieces not knowing what the power was.
1: It's funny rewatching the reunion part where they show that task and you see Sophie's reaction to Susan having that power to keep money out of the pot, (laughs) where Sophie just knows instantaneously that the group exemption is going to be taken.
0: I've mentioned this a few times, but Sophie and Susan and Alf just give wonderful facial expressions during this entire season. I had completely woken up to how how amazingly funny. Sophie is as a reaction source. Like I think between her, Susan, and Arf, they have almost every banner this season from us. There is one that I can think of that doesn't feature any of the three of them, which is Tico flipping the camera off in episode two. Every single other episode, I think, features at least one of them reacting to something. It's usually Arf, let's be honest. Well, of course. Arf is brilliant. Arf absolutely should have come back for Renaissance, and it is a crime that they brought Tico back instead.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I know I've said it before, and I will say it again. Arf is a star in this season, and she should have been asked back if she wasn't. So Freke remembers that Jan Willem lost his envelope, and Daphne and Owen never sent theirs, leaving just six that they know about. And perhaps the lost envelope was sent anyway, and nobody knew about it. Tico tells Sophie that he stole Jan Willem's envelope, and he suspects that it is hidden on a separate island. Their third mailbox is empty, and the flag isn't even up on the mailbox. And Tico can't get a hold of the other two on the walkie-talkie, which is super convenient. And just to bury Frank a little bit more, they they then immediately contrast that with him saying that Susan did nothing suspicious at all in this challenge and she wasn't a mole.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can guarantee you she played this as honestly and as ethically as she could. Trust me, guys.
0: Knowing full well that... In an hour of runtime, run time, we're going to find out that not only was she the mole, but she managed to steal nearly 2,000 euros from under Freak's nose. Poor Freak.
1: In the reunion, Art picks on Freak to the point that not only does Freak notice, but everyone else at the reunion notices that Art keeps going to him just to drive the point home a bit more that, that Freak did a terrible job out of anybody who's made it to the finals and bit him.
0: Well, that's the thing. It's actually surprisingly rare for someone to make make it all the way to the final test and then not know who the mole is. Pretty much every season, everybody knows by the end of it. And then you get a handful of people like Frake and like um, like olche who go? are brilliant characters. Oh, that part. Well, yeah. You have the brilliant character ones, like Olche and Frake, who get to the end and are, are wonderful characters, but then don't know who the mole is. And you also get Tico at the end of Renaissance who doesn't know who the mole is and is an awful, awful character. We've noticed that
1: become increasingly common in recent years to only have one person beyond to the mole at Final Three.
0: Yeah, and from a production standpoint, it actually makes it harder because you can't then end the finale episode by narrowing it down too much because you can work it out. Like as soon as as soon as Frake is told he's not the mole or the winner, but is instead the loser, you know Susan's the mole straight away. You don't even need the the suspense then, because you can just follow it. You can follow the logic. Whereas if both Frake and Sophie were onto Susan, then it actually becomes a one of you two is the winner, and one of you two is the loser situation, and you then have Susan reveal herself and then reveal who the winner is. I love that they
2: still try for the dramatic tension, just with the with one of you is the winner, one of you is the mole. Even though we already know from episode nine that Susan was not the winner.
0: And the fun thing is, if you contrast it with something like Oregon, where Joachim didn't know who the mole is either, they have a fun situation there where everybody is on a different mole. So you can still do the you're not the winner, you're not the loser, you're not the mole thing, but then still have it make sense and still have the pattern possible and the suspense in there.
1: It's a good thing that Art's never screwed it up. Where he's like, wait, 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 no, no, you're, you're not the winner. Wait, no. Runner, no. Ah, uh, shit. It's
0: also interesting because... I think, if I remember rightly, the end of South Africa, which was the season before this, the three finalists weren't actually at the reveal together, initially. I think Art brought them out one by one, like P.T. ended in Japan.
2: I think that's right, yeah.
0: I don't think all three of them appeared at the same time until the actual reveal of who the mole was. I think one of them was brought out, told that they were the winner, and then they did it in the more classic style. Whereas this is the first one where we have all three together, and they're told in front of each other, you're not the winner, you're not the loser, you're not the mole. And then obviously that then leads on to the live reveals in in the following years. It, that sounds right. It's been too long since I watched South Africa, and I don't really want to have to do it again. I'm pretty sure that was the ending of South Africa was the individual style rather than the all three of them together style. So Art then confirms that seven envelopes were mailed to Ellis Island, but only six made it back. However, all money was returned to them, and four of the envelopes had their names on them, giving them €2,750 of €27,300 for the challenge. He also brightens their mood by telling them it's time for the penultimate test and execution. And just for a bit of fun, he deliberately didn't show them which envelope contained what and who it was sent to, just to add to the confusion. And he also covers up the mole, maybe doing a sabotage in this challenge. And when they count the money, they realise €1,750 Euros was not collected, meaning they actually only earned €1,000 Euros of 27300 for the challenge.
1: It's a low percentage. Mm.
0: And it is now time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least goes home, except for the mole who can never go home. And Frake has an exemption. Up to finale. Tico promised he wouldn't go into a tunnel, but he just can't help himself. And Susan Visser is the mole. Selfie says it's between her and Tico who gets the third spot in the finale, so she hopes she knows more about Susan than he does, and she hopes that the Women's Alliance will finally serve her well.
1: What? 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 what, what, what? Oh, there was a Women's Alliance?
0: Yeah, it's a subtle implication, and it never actually gets mentioned at the reunion again, which it probably should do, but there was at one point a Women's Alliance. How did that end? I think it ended with wasn't it three women going in a row? (laughs) The interesting thing is, if you look back on that scene, knowing that Susan is the mole, you know that the implication there is that one of the women has to be the mole for all the women to make the final five together. So that's just a subtle Edith's joke, I think, including the Women's Alliance, going hmm, maybe she should just be paying attention to the women right now.
2: There's five of them seated together in a row. Five in a row. It's not like any of the men were worth paying attention to this season.
0: No, and Looking back on this on a rewatch, it really does just end up being a battle of the titans between Susan as Mole and Sophie as Winner. Hmm. The season revolves around those two with the side piece of Tico being a prick and Arf being amazing. There really isn't anyone else for most of the season. And it's very interesting. Because I don't think we've ever seen a winner who plays like Sophie does. Sophie was really competitive for her archetype and really wanted to win at all costs, and really wanted to take advantage of everything she could. And I don't think you really see that in the the younger female archetype.
1: That was really glanced over just how intense Sophie was from the beginning. They didn't even, in the reunion, they don't even point out that, uh, just how much she was manipulating Freak, how close she was working with Tigo, and, and within the, the group of five women all chatting together what she was doing. They just left out a lot of her brilliance that was a lot more focused on during the first eight episodes.
0: Yeah, the key thing with Sophie is she never was surprised by any advantage. As soon as she learned about the Black Exemption, she was the one who picked it up from the market. She was the one who made sure that Tico picked it up at the sale. She was the one who knew where all the exemptions were. She was never surprised. And she may be the most impressive winner in Venom history being perfectly honest, in terms of her behaviour in the season. Because she was never, ever surprised by anything.
1: Well, that's how they say that a lot of people win Survivor seasons, is they know where all of the advantages and idols are. That's a lot of information you can use to your advantage, especially in a season of items such as this, where there were a lot of items and advantages, and Sophie knew how, how to play them perfectly.
0: Yeah, in a spectacularly twisty season like this, because we had the Black Exemption, we had the mailing money to Ellis Island, we had the initial test straight away as soon as they landed in Hong Kong, we had the looking into the future. Sophie was in control of everything in that, especially when it comes to the looking into the future, because she she made that deal with Arthur that if one of them got executed, that the other would get their, get their future. But then she used that knowledge to lock onto them all straight away. And that's impressive.
1: Yeah, that definitely should have been more emphasized in the finale rather than, oh, Susan did a great job. And it's really, no, it's... Sophie was greater as a player this season than Susan was as a mole. And that's a, that's a, something very rare to see.
0: I think the thing is, yes, Susan was an amazing mole, and I'll be talking about that at the end of the episode because I really like Susan as a mole, and I really appreciate her far more on the rewatch as a mole. But she was such a good mole because she was so challenged by Sophie. Sophie brought out the better mole aspects of Susan, I think, because she had to be more more competitive and more sociable with people to try and combat Sophie's control of the game. That's a good point. I think they both inspired greatness in each other, and I think if one of them had been weaker than they were, it wouldn't have made as fun a season, because you don't have that competitiveness between the two of them. Because by... By the start of episode 9, where they're telling each other that they put everything on each other at the episode 8 test, they know that one of them is going to be the mole, and they know that the other person is 100% onto them, and that they're going to have to play really hard to then manoeuvre around that. Because if you think, what would have happened if Art would have split the boats, male and female? If Sophie and Susan had to collaborate in that challenge, there's no way that Susan hides the 1750. No,
1: she wouldn't have been able to get away with it. Sophie would be saying, no, I'm jumping out to the mailbox.
0: Yeah. And let's be honest, Tico probably still wouldn't know how to drive a boat. They don't have many boats under bridges. It depends where you are. On Some canals they do.
2: Is Tico actually from Amsterdam, though? Or is he from somewhere else?
0: I don't pay enough attention to him, being perfectly honest. So Susan says that she had completely let go of Tico as mole, so she is 100% on Sophie now as her mole. Art tells them that Pier 9 seems so long ago where they had to say goodbye to Morris, and they've experienced so much already, but one person still needs to go home now. Frey is already safe, thanks to his exemption, and Susan gets a green screen, as does Sophie, sending the most beloved character in Vidim history, Tico, home, at the final opportunity. And nobody ever saw him again. Sadly, we do see him again. The good thing is he screws up his legacy in the end.
2: Oh,
1: I completely forgot about this quote in my notes. When Tico gets executed, Freak says, I know who the mole is now.
2: That's only taken you nine episodes, and you still get it wrong.
0: I think it's quite interesting looking at Tico as a two-season character now, because we can do now. You've seen all of, all of Tico's run on Vidim mercifully. But Tico leaves this season being one of the most competitive players ever to not win. And he comes back for Renaissance with that reputation and then completely biffs it in the end. He is completely on the wrong track. And I think he ruins his reputation a little bit of being a a clever mole player. Because as much as I hate him, he does do really well in this season and is on the correct mole in the end. He just isn't as good as Sophie at actually answering all the questions and being as quick. But he screws up his reputation in Renaissance as someone who knows who the mole is. I don't think he should have come back, just from a competitive point of view.
1: Yeah, because that's definitely not what I got from him watching Renaissance. Here it's very different with how much he was scheming, scheming with Sophie. Uh, So maybe some of the ideas that he was able to pull off is because maybe off screen, since we don't get to see the full conversations, Sophie probably helped him out with the execution of some of those plans. But uh, him stealing the envelope and setting up Jan Willem and some of the other things he does in the season and just outright prodded, or I think in his end speech with Artie says that he poked, prodded, teased, and annoyed the others. (laughs) That doesn't really happen quite as much in Renaissance. He doesn't come off as particularly brilliant in that season.
0: No, and in Renaissance, he is also very much overshadowed by Nikki. Nikki is such a spotlight vacuum that everyone is just going to seem dull in comparison. And I'm saying that as someone who is a huge fan of Nikki in in Vidim generally, because I love her in both her seasons. But Tico suffered from being in Nikki's orbit a little bit there, and also being wrong in the end. That's the key thing. He... He leaves this season having been stupid competitive, having annoyed everyone, and having got to the Final Four, and knowing 100% who the mole is, and having gone 100% on who the mole is, and being right. And had he won the exemption, he maybe would have won the season, because Frake would have gone home here instead of him. And then he comes back in Renaissance, and he tarnishes his reputation.
1: Yeah, because here in this season... There's not much shame in losing to Sophie of all people because Sophie in those last couple of quizzes, she had quite the celebration saying, oh, I that was the fastest I've done a quiz. So she's no longer focusing on getting 100%. She knows she'll get 100% on the quizzes. Now she's fe- purely focused on being as fast as possible. That's tough to compete with somebody who is that locked in at the end of the game.
2: I, I do wonder if for renaissance maybe the producers sort of knew something about how Tigo played the game that we didn't because a lot of that cast are the sort of i guess dumb early boot sort of personalities like ron and Nikki a little bit and those sort of people but then on the other end you've got like the really competent people like peggy and patrick and i don't know that Tigo really fits into either group that well
0: no and also on the Nikki point, she did actually go home knowing it was Meryl. She just she deliberately tanked that test. That's something that has been confirmed since.
1: Was she threw a quiz.
0: Yeah, her brother was very sick, so she needed to go home. Right, that did come up. So she t- she knew it was Meryl, and she tanked that quiz. But even if she wasn't Nikki, she still negotiated a um, a return if they did an All Star season. And then her star obviously took off a little bit more than they maybe anticipated, and she still came back.
1: Oh, she's by far... Because uh, I was following everyone from this cast on Instagram and Twitter now that I've seen the end of it, and no one is even remotely close to how popular Nikki is on social media.
0: No. So Tico gets a eulogy, but no one really cares. Sophie's description of him as just so much is the most appropriate thing I think I've ever heard spoken about Tico. And Susan says that Tico claimed he made it to the end without using any advantages. And all I have to say is, well, he played a yoker and a black exemption, and that's just off the top of my head. He says he's relieved in a way, as he did so much to aggravate people. And his montage is genuinely about two-thirds of him just shouting at people.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I wrote that too. The montage is just Tico shouting. That's all I wrote in my notes.
0: (laughs) But like one or two scenes in the entire montage where he isn't screaming at someone.
1: And then Art has a blatantly incorrect quote at the end here where he says, I think a lot of people thought you were the mole, but we haven't heard anybody suspect Tigo on the quiz for quite a while, for at
2: least half the season.
0: Yeah, two people went home thinking that Tigo was the mole, I
2: think, and they were both very early. Maybe Art misunderstood when somebody told him they thought Tigo was
0: a troll. Yeah, Art was thinking that they were playing Vista Troll, that's all it was. Vista Troll. (laughs) So the final three then celebrates before Art gives us a recap of the season, and we find out that Owen and Menifer both went home suspecting Tico. The final three then arrive at their last challenge at sunset and see thousands of little fires in the water. Art tells them they'll find statements in bottles and must only take correct ones, and each correct statement is worth 250 euros for the pot but an incorrect one takes €250 Euros from the winnings of the challenge. Anything the mole collects will be worth nothing regardless, as that just wouldn't be fair.
1: This was a Czechia twist,
0: right? Yeah, Czechia did adapt it from this season, definitely.
2: They've done it a couple of times. There was one, I think in one of the, like the very early civilian seasons that did it as well, and I think the Thailand season did it. So this is probably, I think, the third time they've done it, but it's not... I don't feel like it's an interesting twist. I don't know why they keep doing it.
0: Now, Czechia's version was a lot cheaper than this one. Czechia's was €100 per correct one, and there were only 11 correct ones that were actually picked up. But I think this one is just a, we've not used the scenery very well yet, let's just do a really pretty challenge to end the season challenge. Because it's a beautiful challenge, it just isn't that interesting. The more interesting thing is the fact that Freik manages to pick up seven incorrect bottles of his eight and the one he got right was the mole is a woman, which he's guaranteed <laughs> to get right.
1: Well Well at least Imagine being so who was it, who was the Vidim contestant that thought that they were the mole? Tico. No, it was in one of the other seasons where somebody went home first or second and they didn't know that they weren't the mole. It was Because we joked about it. it. I think it was in Venom. Somebody who goes home
2: really, really early, and they're like, what? What? I'm, I'm, I'm not the mole? Are you thinking of that story I told during the Oregon podcast about the Australian season? Maybe. Maybe that's the one. We've definitely talked about it before. Yeah. Maybe it was the
1: Australian one. So it could have been worse for Freak. He could have thought that he was the mole this whole time.
0: It would explain so much in the last two episodes, being perfectly honest.
1: Why everyone gave him the exemption? (laughs) Well, let's give Freak the exemption, because if I get to final three, I know
0: I'm going to beat Freak on the
1: final quiz.
0: So, Art says he won't tell them how much they earned, if anything, but he will see them on day 18 for the big reveal, they just get to enjoy their final evening as finalists. And on day 18, it is time for the final test. Only 20 questions about the identity and actions of the mole all season long. Whoever knows the most will go home with all of the money and unmask the mole. Interestingly, it was only 20 questions this final test.
1: Yeah, I guess they knew they didn't, that there wasn't going to be a tiebreaker.
0: <laughs> we quite blatantly see that the question Vista Mole is only question 20.
2: I think Freak scored one. <laughs> it was odd that, like, in past seasons, I'd spend basically half the episode on this final test. I think this one's over in about 30 seconds, just because there's no tension to it.
0: Yeah, it's quite interesting how little suspense there possibly can be from this final three, given that it is very much not the first time we've had it where one person's on the mole and then the mole and the loser are onto the winner. But they drain the the suspense out of this because it is so blatantly obvious that it's either Susan or or Sophie, who is the all, and Freak probably isn't going to win the season.
1: I like how before the quiz, Sophie asks Freak uh, to express his feelings about the Black Exemption, and Freak uh, refers to it as hate with a capital H.
0: I mean, I don't love the Black Exemption. As Bindle said in the premiere, as a one season twist, it would have been alright. Every single season, maybe not so much. It loses its impact.
1: And Sophie has a very mole-esque confessional, saying I got tangled in a web of lies, I hope not to lie anymore in my life. And then you think, well, Sophie was playing so hard that she probably lied more than the actual mole did during the season.
0: Yeah, I think it's very interesting hearing Susan in the reunion talk about being the mole, because she, more than maybe anyone else, approached it from the idea of being a candidate. And tried to be the most candidate mole possible. And just make those relationships where really nobody distrusted her. She had two people on her the entire season.
1: And that wasn't until very close to the end of the game. And that's really only because Sophie figured out a hidden clue rather than being onto Susan specifically through her actions.
0: The winner wasn't confident that Susan was the mole until episode 7. That's nuts.
2: We've had seasons where someone's basically pegged the mole, like, basically the first time they've met. They basically just looked at the cast, just picked someone out as, you're the mole, and then
0: won. And it's really interesting because I did that with Susan this season. The first I saw of Susan, I was suspicious of her. And yet, nobody really in this season is confident that Susan is the mole until three episodes before the end. I'm so jealous you're able to do that. I have a good history of looking at the cast photo and picking someone out as the mole and then having them go home first. Well, the most infamous version of that is a season that we almost certainly will never cover on this podcast in US Mole 5, where they released the cast picture and had the tagline, I lie with my eyes. And the mole was the only person wearing glasses in the cast picture. So I was onto him from preseason, and I was onto Susan from preseason, as we'll get into at the end of this episode because she did something... Slightly suspicious in the press conference,
2: hmm.
0: which never really had any attention drawn to it. But it was it was the press conference that made me definitely suspect her. And then I I wavered onto Arth suspicions just out of sheer hope that it would be Arth. And then obviously Susan was always my number two.
2: I, I need an All Stars list, and it's just like all the middle aged women.
0: Yeah, like I would be perfectly happy to have. An all-star cast that was just Olche, Melushka, Emanuela, Cecile, Ellie, Arf, Karen? who else? Karen, yeah. Like, just give us a cast, you cowards, that is, is just full of all the crazy middle-aged women. And, and a random 38-year-old. We are actually approaching the point where we probably can do an entire awesome middle-aged women cast as an all-star. And make it comfortable. Hell, bring Sophie back. Sophie's in her 40s now. Sophie's older than was when she filmed this season. As of the time of recording, I think Sophie's 41 now? Wow. I think she's got an 11-year-old. I know we mentioned this for Tim a few weeks ago when we were chatting Saunders, but Tim's got a 10-year-old now, I think, from Japan. Was he older than that, actually? He might have been, Tim has a teenager. Huh. Like all of these, quote-unquote, young archetype people on Vidim are getting old.
1: That's why there were so many old people in Renaissance.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, look at Patrick. He was, like I think, 25 or something in Mexico. And then all of a sudden he turns up he's only you know, three years younger than Methuselah.
0: So at the final test, Sophie is more relaxed than in previous tests. She's putting everything on Susan as hedging bets is a thing of the past. Freke has always put Sophie into his suspicions, but now it's time to pin your colors to the mast. Sophie is the mole. Susan thinks she knows everything about Sophie, but it's still nerve-wracking. Freke has all the information that she does in his mole book too. and They arrive at the reveal location on separate boats. Susan thinks it's really cool that she's in the finale. She's experienced so much and wouldn't have missed it for the world. Frake always thought he'd be executed first, but now he's in the finale. And Sophie thinks that it's an amazing privilege to be still in the game with these two people. Art describes it as a season of extremes, from the dense city of Hong Kong to the uninhabited islands of the Philippines. Two of them were looking for the third person during the trip while well, the third did everything they could to throw the others off the scent. Two candidates and one mole, but who has which role? Susan was always the centre point of the group, perhaps the warmest smile in the Netherlands. As a candidate, she always worked hard, but to all the candidates who've already gone home, she could never be the mole. I,
2: I love that he says she's got this the warmest smile in the Netherlands, over a shot of Susan looking like her laxative is about to kick in.
0: Yeah, I know I mentioned this in the Topito Challenge, but there is a great editor's joke where you have Sophie going, oh, art's so hot. Like, just look into his eyes, it isn't a problem. And then you cut to Susan doing the exact same thing and looking (laughs) cross-eyed. I don't know what it is, but the the editors really love just cutting to Susan looking slightly less pretty than she actually is. (laughs) They always get a bad shot of Susan throughout the entire season. It's very, very funny. Frake is unreadable, he awaits his turn and then moves promptly, like when he defended his exemption. Sophie is social and curious, tougher than you think, clever and tactical, and she was one of the few who started with a clear strategy, eliminating suspects and following the money to find the mole. And episode 9 ends with us being told that Susan is not the winner, Sophie is not the loser, and Frake is not the mole. And I also have to point out that as soon as Sophie is told she's not the loser, she immediately grins because she knows she's won the season and picked the right mole. It's very entertaining to, to look at her in the background over Art's shoulder, just absolutely Cheshire Cat grinning by that point.
2: In fairness, Art has experience, you know, trying to hold a grinning when someone's telling him he's not the loser.
0: And then we move to episode 10. And it is very interesting that the reunion was already filmed by the time of the finale. They did exactly what they did with Japan and filmed it weeks in advance by the look of things. And it's also lovely to see the Vondelkirk getting even more use because that's the same location as the China reveal, and also I think they did the uh, the reunion for season 21 there too. For Czechia. Yeah. I think Czechia was the von Kirk as well. So we then catch up with all the losers. Maurice says lots of people have come up to him to say how sorry they were that he went out early. Owen's kid's still him for going straight on one person in episode 2. Daphne realizes she has a slow brain, but it's fixed now when she plays next time, which, surprisingly, she didn't get an invite. What? Menifer went all the way to the Philippines, albeit briefly, and she got too relaxed about making it halfway through the season and went home. Arf says it was lovely to be suspected. She thought that they were crazy for suspecting her for shouting into a phone too loudly. And she says she finds it hard to say goodbye to people. After episode three, Jan Willem had reverse tunnel vision. He had a main suspect and also went with his gut and that got the people sent home. And Tico says he was drained by the time that he went home and he cried on the beach. He went all out in everything he did this season.
1: Well, in the finale, he went all out.
0: Yeah, he went all out in fourth place and then shamed himself when he came back for Renaissance. And then we bring in the final three. Freak wasn't suspected much until he got further into the game. Sophie's friends don't trust her, but they never did anyway. All of her loved ones think she may have mole during the season. Susan says she isn't very suspected because she's just too nice. Her friends told her that if she's the mole, she's got a personality disorder.
1: I like how Freak chose to wear the ugliest Christmas
2: sweater imaginable. <laughs> I literally had in my notes, I know Michael loves Jan Versteg's suit in the Georgia finale, but is, is Freak's gold sweater the ugliest reunion outfit ever?
0: I know I love talking about finale fashion, and Susan looks really good, and especially compared to, to whatever that jumper was that Freak was wearing. It's symbolic of the whole season. It's disgusting, <laughs> and I say this, knowing full well he sat next to Jan Willem, who literally just turned up from going out for the evening by the look of things he put no effort into his into his outfit whatsoever. He looks supremely casual, and Freke by far has the worst outfit in this finale.
1: I'm surprised Art didn't pick on him for that, just saying well. You know, uh, Freak, Susan made you look really bad during the season, and now she's looking, making you look really bad in terms of appearance here at this reunion.
0: But yeah, to go back to your original question, uh, Bindles, I do love suit, and Freak is definitely up there for worst reunion choice. It's just horrid. I can't think of any worse outfits we've seen in reunion for a long time. No. Bless Freak, because I quite like him, but yeah. That jumper was awful. He seems lovely, but Jesus Christ. I wonder how he came to that
1: decision to wear that sweater. Was it just that cold inside in his anti-jacket? Or
2: what was he thinking? Lost a bet with
0: Patrick? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Were him and Patrick together at this point? I think they broke up
2: either just before or just after they filmed the season. So I think they were together until 2013.
0: Yeah, because I was trying to work out the timeline because... Obviously, Patrick has been with Rick. Thomas has been with Rick. I think at one point, maybe Thomas and Freik were, I think, which I found a picture of them two together earlier when I was looking for something else. There's a lot of timelines that just don't mesh with Vidim in terms of interseason relationships, for want of a better
1: term. Maybe. Right when... Like maybe Freak and Patrick broke up right before the reunion. And while Freak was gone, Patrick raided all of Freak's closet, you know, closed room out the window. And just as a mean joke, he left that one sweater inside the closet for him to wear to the reunion show later that evening. So that when Freak comes back to the apartment, that's all he has to wear. Now do you want the do you want the sweater that looks good or the sweater that looks like piss? <laughs>
0: It looks like something from the Tico Under the Bridge collection.
1: Yeah, Freak's into modelling now.
0: So Freak is then confirmed as being the runner-up for the season, leaving just Susan and Sophie for the reveal. Susan is then revealed as Mole, meaning Sophie is our winner. And what a deserving winner she is. In a year where we have picked two Vidum seasons to cover, historians-wise, where you have a much better Mole than you remember them being, and a much better winner than you remember them being. Sophie is, as I've said, perhaps the most dominant winner in vidom history in terms of controlling everything in the game. And that brought the best out of Susan.
1: And Freak has the biggest reaction of any loser ever.
0: Mainly because he, he does an ulche and completely gets on the wrong track. He has no idea that it was Susan. He never He never even considered it in his mind. So his reaction to Susan being the mole and him just being like, are you really the mole? And she's just like, yeah, yeah, I know I'm lovely, but I'm also the mole here. And it takes him a good, like, 10, 15 seconds on the episode to just go, it's possible that Susan could be the mole here.
1: If Freak was in the final two, would he have just picked himself as
0: the mole over Susan? Susan says that it is the most exciting thing she's ever done. You're constantly thinking about how to act both as candidate and as mole. I
2: love that she's like, you have no idea how exciting this game is, and then you just cut to former winner Art being like, I have my suspicions.
0: (laughs) That is the line of the episode for me, because I know I've sung Art's praises a lot in terms of being a sneaky, funny bastard, especially when it comes to reunions. He is so, so good in a reunion situation, but he is so fast with that line. Because at this point, it's, it's three years since Art was actually a candidate. People have probably at this point in the cast started to forget that Art was ever actually on the ship. So he just he just gives them the sneaky dig of don't give me some disrespect as I know exactly what it's like.
2: God, that's such a good season.
0: So Frake reveals to Susan that he never suspected her and put everything on Sophie on the final test. And Art confirms that he made it to the finale without suspecting her once. And Frake rationalises it as Sophie teaming up with Susan a lot which basically kept him in the game.
1: Oh, that double exemption.
0: Yeah. So Sophie says that Susan was a really good mole, even though she was the mole from the start, it was tough getting any evidence until she followed the money and realized that her and Susan were the bottom two for the season. Then we get loads of sabotages from Susan. Are there any you guys want to talk about? I was
1: surprised how poorly she did in the first episode. Didn't we talk about that on the first episode of the podcast where I said, I can't figure out who the mole is because I, there wasn't really a standout sabotage. So it's funny to see here that I'm watching the reunion thing. I'm thinking, Susan really couldn't figure out a way to pull off an impressive sabotage in the first round.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting to see how Susan deals with that situation. Because we talk a lot about how moles react when stuff goes wrong. And Susan's reaction to her plan completely being derailed is not to panic, which is a brilliant sign as a mole. Whereas some lesser moles, as soon as something goes wrong, they just break down and go, ah, shit, what am I going to do now? Whereas she just sits down, gives gives herself a talk, and deals with it in the next challenge, and ends up doing a pretty good sabotage in the next challenge.
1: Luckily here, if you want to gain your confidence back as a mole, that Light's Challenge is a very easy way to get that confidence back. I think she even said so herself, that she said, well, yeah, I did sabotage it, but Nobody else was getting it either.
2: (laughs) It's one of the bad things about this reunion, because we see sabotages from, I think, 10 different challenges out of 25. And a lot of them are the really basic, you know, if you were the mole, what would you do in this situation challenges? There's not really a lot of creativity that we see.
0: No, with the exception of hiding the envelope on Ellis Island, I don't think any of the sabotages we see are that brilliant. But it's interesting to compare how production display her sabotages compared to Kim's. Yeah. Because in the reunion for Japan, as Logan and I talked about at length, they essentially do a rehabilitation on Kim's sabotages and show us as much as possible because Kim was considered a lesser mole and want us to know how good a mole Kim was.
1: Yeah, and we We saw like 19 or 20 of her sabotages.
0: We saw all but about two or three of Kim's sabotages and all but about two or three of Kim's challenges in that reunion because they wanted to do a bit of a rehabilitation on her, her being a good mole. Whereas this one, because Susan is a good mole and I don't think anyone can say she isn't, they don't need to do that as much and they can just give us the very basic ones and focus on Frake being an idiot and Sophie being a badass. And completely ignoring Tigo, as we should. So during the season, we frequently saw fishermen, as a reference to Susan's surname. When Arf broke the fishing line, she unintentionally found a clue, in the most Alf way possible. <laughs> I love that. I love Arf so much. I love that we even have a couple of moments of just Arf and Susan interacting, and them being genuine friends. And I hope they're still friends eight years later. Susan says every goodbye was hard, because outside of the assignment, she do grow very close and you have no idea how nerve-wracking the show is during the assignments, to which, as we've pointed out, Art says he has an idea. In the Tiantum Buddha challenge, she knew there were two Buddhas with two fingers visible, and deliberately picked the wrong one. However, as we said at the time, I think and Biddle said off air this, Tico does point out that Susan picked the wrong one. He spotted the other one. But he did overrule her when they were looking at the pictures, giving her the excuse of getting annoyed at him. She approached her sabotages from the mindset of an actress, but only in playing the role of a candidate and trying to be as fanatical as possible. In episode five's title was The Holy Signal. Susan's two-finger salute can also be seen in The Church in Powai, which I thought was quite a good uh, episode title clue.
2: It's not a bad one. I don't think they could have planned for it to be a clue because I don't think they really knew that Susan was going to have to try and
0: find that Buddha. No, the, the episode titles are definitely picked after the season's edit. Because it's, it's the same as the episode 6 one being 5 in a row. They would have never known at the time that Susan was going to manage to be in a pair with the first 5 boots in their boot episodes.
2: 5 in a row is a really good clue. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I,
1: I wrote that in my notes too. That was by far the best tin clue they had on this season.
2: I, I went looking for all the other, like, the extra clues they didn't show. There's basically nothing. Like, the... The first execution, there's a six and a five on the background in the like the pillars at the dock. And Susan was born in 65. And then during the Future Challenge, Susan's video is the only one where you see the mole logo. But aside from that, there's not really anything interesting with the clues this season.
0: On the 651 as well, Susan's surname is Six Letters and her first name is Five. Hmm. So actually, they could have gone a better angle with that and made it interesting. So on Alice Island, Susan and Freak went to the island with most envelopes. The first one was offs and the second one contained two envelopes, only one of which was taken, which means she did manage to hide €1,750 Euros under Freak's nose. She preyed on his trust. That's all it was.
1: Freak is probably thinking, I can't trust Sophie and Tigo anymore. I don't want to be paired with those two snakes. I'm going to make sure I'm paired up with Susan, someone who I know I can trust 100%.
2: Speaking of snakes, there's a good moment we skipped over when they're covering the snake challenge, Arf sort of just casually asks Arf and Jan Willem if the reason they didn't get along in that challenge is because Jan Willem is a sexist pig. <laughs> was it the man and woman thing Jan
1: Willem? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was.
0: I just, of all the people we have seen in Vidum, Arf has got to be up there for most entertaining interactions with other people. Yes. I think that's probably why I love her so much, is because, you put her with any single person and she brings out the best in them. In the same way that Sophie and Susan bring out the competitive best in each other, you have Arf just bringing up every character and making them entertaining.
1: We also have a little bit of banter between Arf and Susan at the reunion where she says, I fell in love with Susan. She was so charming. And then Susan says that she fell in love with Arf too. And then, who else was that was charmed by Susan? Well, Freak definitely was. That's why he's one of the reasons why he wasn't on to her, and then maybe Menifer too. I can't remember, but that seemed to contribute to a lot of the leeway that Susan was given, especially especially during when we got down to five, when she kept getting thrown into those key roles, and then especially during the fingerprint challenge where Susan says. I don't know why they put me here, because now they have a 0% chance of earning money. I just know not to pick the right one.
0: I think the key thing with Susan is she's so nice and unassuming that you can't help but like her. And it's it's a brilliant quality for a mole because it allows you to get away with far more stuff if people just like you and trust you immediately. Because if you'd made Tico the mole, for example, he would have got found out really quickly just because he's a complete prick and wants to be the centre of attention. Whereas Susan is very, very quiet, very unassuming, always in the background, just being sneakily entertaining and sneakily sabotaging.
1: One thing I've been paying att- I've been paying attention to a bit more ever since the whole Philippe's situation, the mole here, of just the idea of how hard it is to be the mole, and we get a brief conversation about that in the reunion where Menifer says that she tried two sabotages, I think, one or two herself. And she said both times people were suspecting her like that when she was just trying to be, she was trying to sabotage but be subtle about, about it too, to where she was acting, just trying to act a bit moly. And she realizes that if she was the mole, everyone would be onto her really quick, if that was indeed her role. Oh yeah, Daphne. Daphne was the other person who was really charmed by Susan.
0: I think everyone was charmed by Susan to some extent, to be perfectly honest.
1: And that leads me to another thought is one thing that was off with of Susan is when they were in the when Susan was laying in the hammock and Sophie goes up to her and Sophie says, Oh, by the way, I'm putting all my questions on you. And then Susan says back, Oh, I'm putting all my questions on you too. Not the band, on on Sophie Uh, I was thinking Why not try To throw off Sophie? Would Susan have been able to pull off that Manipulation right before the end To have Sophie onto somebody else? If Susan Has been able to charm all these people So successfully Would she have been able to Throw Sophie off the scent Somehow?
0: I think at this point Nothing Susan could have said would have dissuaded Sophie. I think she probably knew in her heart of hearts that the only way to convince Sophie it isn't her would be to to sort of go, "Oh yeah, I'm definitely suspecting you as well," and just treat her like a contestant would rather than like a mole. Uh, on the other hand, she could
2: have mentioned just liking, I don't know, waffles or something, and Frank would have gotten distracted. I only I only
1: bring this up because in because in a game like Mafia or Among Us. When you say, oh, I suspect you as Mafia or as the imposter. If the other person says, oh, well, I think you're the traitor or the imposter. That's one of the rookie mistakes that the traitors or imposters will make. Will be will say, oh, well, I think you're, you're the one. So it's just funny that Susan went that route right at the end where maybe if she said, oh, well, I'm on Tigo or I'm on Freak. That can be a bit more believable and maybe have plant that slight... Seed inside of Sophie's head.
0: All I am saying is you cannot spell Susan Visser without sus.
1: (laughs) That's true. That's another, that should have been another hidden clue.
0: So only one of Freak's bottles was correct, and all of Sophie's nine were, meaning that they only earn 750 euros of, I'm guessing about 5,000 for that challenge, bringing the total to 1750 of 32,300 for the pair of episodes and of seventy-seven thousand five hundred and fifty for the season as a whole.
2: I did like art holding the Susan is the mole bottle, so they couldn't see it.
0: Yeah, that was clever. And Susan ends the season by hoping everyone loved her in the mole-free zone outside of the assignments.
1: Oh, Jan Willem had another really offensive quote in here. He talked about when him and Af were partnered up in the task, he talks about going into autistic mode.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well...
1: <laughs> Eh, uh, not the most offensive person in this cast anymore. You.
0: Bear in mind, I am the person who made a choking joke earlier, and I still won't touch that one with a barge pole. So now the question that has plagued Logan all season, I think, how did I know it was Susan? And the answer is annoyingly simple. There was a press conference before the season, as I've mentioned a few times, and... All of the people who got interviewed in that press conference, and I actually think there was a longer version that isn't on YouTube anymore, sadly for you Saunders. but there was one where they really interviewed everyone, and everyone was asked what their tactics as mole would be. And everyone gave a straight answer apart from Susan. Susan gave a very wishy-washy answer in that press conference. And that was what made me suspect her. And then annoyingly, bearing in mind that in South Africa the previous season, I had got it so, so wrong about who the mole was, and I came bottom of the suspect list, and I was really annoyed with myself. I didn't trust my judgment here when I should have done. So I put Arth first. I was very much suspecting it would be an older female. So I was looking at Arth, assuming she was an older female at the time, even though she was 37, and Susan was always my number two. And then as soon as Arth went home, Susan became my number one and never moved from that spot for the rest of the season. So it it was just pure gut instinct, annoyingly. There was no real way for you to beat me this season unless you put her first more than I did. But it was just pure gut instinct as to how I was very suspicious of Susan. Because as soon as you get any sort of suspicion, you do go into the tunnel of watching that person closely. And then I started seeing potentially suspicious things that she'd done and was more convinced than than ever that Susan was the mole. And I was right.
1: That's, That's a good observation. If only you stuck with it, you would have had a perfect game.
0: <laughs> I know, it's really annoying, because I think I came sixth on the suspect list this year, and I would have 100% come first, had I trusted myself just a little bit more. And interestingly, I know we've talked about this a lot in the past couple of, um, of historian seasons, but the Vidim subreddit did do a poll of moles earlier in the year, and Susan placed 11th of the 23 moles, and 5th of the Dutch moles that we've discussed on the podcast.
1: She should be a little bit higher, I think.
0: Yeah, after this rewatch, I I like Susan as a mole a lot more. I appreciate a lot more of the stuff that she did. Because she, she was always true to herself. And I think that's a very good quality for a mole. She seemed very authentic even when she was being very inauthentic.
1: Especially when the only person who detected her, which was until episode 7, was Sophie. And that was Selfy Moore outwitting the game mechanics rather than genuinely being on to Susan.
0: Do you think she was a
2: good mole, Bindles? I like her as a mole. I think there's, I think there's been better moles. Um, the South Africa mole is really good, so I think she sort of comes off a little bit inferior by comparison to that. But I've definitely seen much, much worse moles. Some of them aren't even American. There's one Australian season where the mole is so bad that even after they go through all the sabotage and everything, I'm still not sure they didn't accidentally announce the wrong person.
0: And something I think I have discussed before, I think I actually did discuss this during Oregon, but Susan and Thomas are friends and in fact teamed up for a show called Dance, Dance, Dance in 2019. <laughs> what? And there is a delightful picture that I sent Bindles earlier of their, um, their press picture of them dancing together. So if you Google um, Susan Visser and Thomas Camart, Dance, 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 you'll get a wonderful amount of Google images of them dressed up for the three episodes that they were in that show. They were the first boots in that show.
2: The funny thing is I saw that photo and I recognized Thomas instantly. I, I'm looking at the photo
0: right now and I'm still not sure that's Susan. And um, they raised, tw- I think it was €25,000 for their charity.
1: That's a lot of money compared to Vidim. Did, oh, did it go to Rocky's charity?
0: I think a portion of it probably did go to Rocky's charity, just to be safe. Yeah, because it's the only charity in the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> the other very interesting thing, and I have no idea how you weren't spoiled on this season from from this, is if you cast your mind back in twenty nineteen, I did um, happen to go to the Vidim finale, and Susan and Thomas actually arrived together and um, and worked the the crowd signing autographs together. And on my Facebook, there is a picture of. Thomas followed immediately by a picture of Susan.
2: You know I don't pay attention to your Facebook.
0: I wasn't referring to you. I was more referring to Saunders.
2: You knew who the mole was at that point. You know Saunders doesn't pay attention to your Facebook.
0: <laughs> oh, no. I know that, but it, it's just very interesting that I took a picture of, I think, outside of Columbia, obviously, I took a picture of three moles who weren't from that season, and two of them were Susan and Thomas.
2: Hmm.
0: The other one was the uh, Dominican Republic one. Oh, my condolences. Which it doesn't really matter if Logan's spoiled on that because he'll be spoiled by the end of episode two anyway. So, suspicions wise, my suspicions for week one were in order Arth, Susan, and Daphne. My suspicions for week two were Arth, Susan, and Menifer. My suspicions for week three were Arth, Susan, and Sophie. And Arth, Susan, and Sophie in week four. In week five, it was Arth and Susan for me. In week six, it was Susan and Tico. Susan and Sophie in week seven. In week eight, it was Susan. And both times in week nine, it was Susan who I suspected. Meaning I did have her in all ten opportunities. And who did you suspect after episode nine, Logan? Yes, tell us. Just to make it official.
1: Uh, I swapped from Susan to Sophie for the very final suspect list, and that's only because of everyone saying how they voted, and I thought Tico wasn't onto to the mole.
0: No, it's, it's very interesting, actually, in Tico's execution, because Sophie calls it out. She says, I know Frake's safe, I know Susan's safe, because she's a mole, and it's between me and Tico for who gets to basically win this season. And boy, did we look out with that result.
1: Yeah, I'm glad we're not talking about Tigo, the winner. But then we, we may not have come back for Renaissance.
0: Well, he wouldn't have come back for Renaissance, but we also would have had to, you know, praise him.
1: Eh, I don't think we would have praised him. We're not contractually obligated <laughs> to do so. You might not be. Yeah, the winner of Vidom wore Superman briefs and cursed out at people, and his best friend was a guy who referred to going into autistic mode.
0: You might not be paid to uh, to praise him, but some of us are in the pay of Big Avro. Anyway, let's cut to a uh, Dairy Queen advert. <laughs> yeah. So, have you guys got anything else you want to say about this uh, this season as a whole?
2: It was good. Yeah, I liked it. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm very glad you enjoyed it because I always have a concern when we pick these historian seasons that. Especially when it's one you've never seen before. You're going to go, oh, it's shit at the end. Oh, that was a terrible choice.
1: So, are we doing another one?
0: Well, that is the question, and we will leave it on a cliffhanger for uh, for the actual podcast, but we will be doing some sort of Historians for 2023. What that is, you'll find out probably when Belkie has finished airing again, and when we've got it all recorded, and I can actually announce things. But... Rest assured that Amazing Race Australia 2 will be coming next year, as will at least one more Vidom season, which we know what it is. We've already discussed what it's going to be between the three of us, but maybe more than one, maybe not. We've, we've not decided just yet. But you'll have definitely some Amazing Race historians next year in the form of Amazing Race Australia 2, definitely some Vidam ones in the form of Insert Season Here, and then maybe something else after that as well. As we approach episode 500.
1: Oh, wow. It adds up after
2: almost 10
0: years. It very much does. You guys get anything else you want to say? I'd
2: just like to thank you both for having me all season.
0: You're welcome. It was retribution for you not being able to attend the Japan ones. Thanks for putting up with all my bullshit. We've put up with Tico's bullshit for nine weeks. You're you're a walk in the park.
1: (laughs) Yours is minimal.
0: I was naked less. Speak for yourself. So, on that note, thank you for listening to our VSTMOL 2014 recaps all season long. We're we'll back next year to begin the hunt for a new mole in VSTMOL 2023, because at the time of recording, we've no idea what location it is. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are TV Warriors, or you can email us and contact us at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on Twitter at Logs of Quacky Bindle's is Grim recapper, and I'm MJ Helmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtv warriors. Thank you, as always, to Marika and technically that dark spark for the subtitles this season. We will see you in January for Vista Mall 2023.
1: Peace out and just chill till the next of flavouring.
0: I hope it's in exotic Belgium.